1: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior.
1: Hey there, everybody. Thank you for tuning in right here to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Uh, Big, big show today, right in the smack middle of trade season. We've got some trades that have happened, uh, specifically Nathan Avaldi go into the Red Sox, Zach Britton, go into the Yankees. There may even be trades that don't involve the American League East. Who knows? Uh, There's certainly lots of rumors involving all sorts of trades, even rumors involving the Padres as buyers that is weird, right? Well, uh, we're, we're going to get weird with that <laughs> on the show today. So we'll uh, be uh, knee deep here in uh, trades and trade rumors. Uh, also catch you up on the latest injury news with Gary Sanchez, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Jesse Winker. Lots of stuff going on. Maybe talk a little bit about Sergio Romo playing third base. I told you, it's a weird show today. Uh, so, yes, lots and lots of news, lots and lots of games in progress. That's going to make it fun. Not lots and lots of games tonight, which is going to make it sort of a weird segment with Drew Dinkmeyer from DailyRoto.com. He's going to be here returning our traditional uh, Wednesday DFS segment. Uh, But, you know, uh, Drew and uh, Mike Leone, they come on on Wednesdays. And whether it's a big, medium or small slate, they give us lots and lots of great advice and wisdom. So really looking forward to talking to Drew about uh, tonight's slate. And then, as long as we're staying on the topic uh, and the the theme here of weirdness, Tuesday night was sort of weird, too. Uh, Not weird in that we had a a complete game shutout from Masahiro Tanaka, great performances from Garrett Cole, Jose Barrios, uh, but also a bunch of really uh, great performances from, oh, Austin Gomber. And that one's especially weird because that was on the heels of a great performance from another Cardinals call-up, Daniel Ponce de Leon. So, Uh, Gomber pitched well. Homer Bailey, incredible performance from Homer Bailey. Birch Smith, uh, who knew? Uh, So kind of a strange night, certainly in terms of pitching. uh, Also some notable hitting performances uh, that we'll talk about. So uh, let's get on with the weirdness right now. Uh, So as I mentioned earlier today, Wednesday, the Rays traded Nate Avaldi to the Red Sox straight up swap. For pitching prospect Jalen Beeks, who had made a couple of appearances with the Red Sox earlier this season, the uh, certainly the major league performances didn't go nearly as well as his minor league season, which has been uh, a terrific breakout for Beeks, uh, 2.89 ERA, a 33% strikeout rate at Pawtucket. And um, Beeks may join the Rays to actually start a game for them. And maybe even more than for just one or two innings be an actual legitimate starter for the Rays, uh, at some point, uh, during their, uh, current series. So, uh, anyhow, uh, that's one side. Obviously the other side that probably you're more interested in is, uh, Nathan Evaldi going from Tampa Bay to the Red Sox. And, uh, he should slide right into their, uh, rotation, uh, within the next few days. And, uh, We'll stick with the weird uh, theme here. It's been a mostly good but kind of weird season for Evaldi, who's had some spectacular starts, uh, a few clunkers. He's got, uh, I think, for uh, a pitcher, an unusual and uh, nonetheless very interesting profile uh, in that um, he, he's been throwing a ton of strikes. Um But uh, I mean, I guess it's not that weird, but it's just maybe extreme. Uh, So a lot of strikes. uh, And so he's really had a very low walk rate because while he's throwing a lot of strikes, he's also getting a ton of swings on those pitches that are not located in the zone. That's a terrific combination. And yet the uh, strikeout rate may be a little bit disappointing because he's getting swings on three out of every four pitches in the strike zone. That's. That's very extreme. So it's a little bit of a, an, an odd profile for Avaldi, but for the most part, overall, it's worked for him. Uh, I mean, there there's probably one concern, which is that he's given up 11 homers in just 57 innings. Seems like he's pitched more than 57 innings, but that's that's what Fangraphs is telling me. <laughs> so I'm going to believe that. Uh, so going to Fenway Park, it's not really uh, a you know a ter- terrific park for uh, hitters to hit home runs in. But uh, probably a little easier than the Trop. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, maybe a little bit of a downgrade. But I think certainly you can expect that he's going to get a lot of run support with the Red Sox. I don't really think he loses any value overall. Maybe even gains a little. So uh, we just got to see which version of Nate Evaldi does show up. Because, like I say, he's been a little inconsistent this year. He's been a little inconsistent over his career. But could potentially be a nice pickup for, for the Red Sox. Uh, and this is going to mean either... Uh, Brian Johnson or, um, or Drew Pomeranz would get booted from the rotation. And Pomeranz just returning, uh, making his first start uh, in a long while uh, this week. So we'll see what happens there. And also just did another move there for the Rays. They brought up Austin Pruitt, and I brought him up. I believe it was on Tuesday show with Matt Modica, and we were talking about how there's really no more starting pitchers. Left for the Rays, although they did trade for one, so that certainly answers part of the question by them acquiring Jalen Beeks. But Austin Pruitt's been called up, so I think you'll see him in some combination of an opener role, a traditional starter role, or maybe that piggybacking long reliever role. Um, in any event, would expect Pruitt to pick up some innings with the trade of uh, Nate Avaldi. Uh, we've got uh, some injury updates. Glaber Torres, as expected, back for the Yankees today. Uh, Yankees and Rays actually just finished up. Rays won 3 to 2. Johnny Venters uh, coming in to get the last out, but it was Sergio Romo with the save and uh, playing third base of that one. Uh, but uh, as for Glaber Torres, he was uh, held hitless, uh, did get a walk in four plate appearances, also a couple of strikeouts. So uh, not the best game back for Glaber Torres at the plate. But again, just one game. He was batting fifth in the Yankees lineup. Big news uh, for Johannes Cespedes. He has decided to undergo season-ending heel surgeries. That's plural. He's going to have one surgery. And then uh, after recovery from that, he's going to have to have a second surgery. Uh, that according to MLB.com. And the recovery expected recovery time for these surgeries is a minimum of eight months, so there's a very real possibility that Cespedes uh, misses part of 2019. Uh, not to mention that he's obviously going to miss all of 2018. Chris Bryant might have to go uh, on the DL, uh, according to uh, Joe Madden. Uh, Bryant may not be available uh, today, and as for the DL stint, uh, Madden told the Chicago Tribune, "It's not impossible. Everything is in play." Also from that report from the Chicago Tribune, Yu Darvish is uh, going to throw off a mound sometime this weekend with the Cubs in St. Louis. So Darvish uh, continuing to work his way back from injuries. Uh, Javier Baez uh, had to make an early exit on Tuesday after um, uh, Steven the slide that uh, injured his knee. Baez stayed in the game after the contact with the slide But that had to be lifted later when he developed soreness in the knee. And I'm just looking to see if we have, uh, let's see. Okay, so Cubs are in progress right now. I don't believe Baez was in the lineup for this one. He was not. So it was Ben Zobrist Zobrist at second base. Uh, So day-to-day for Javier Baez with that uh, sore knee. Uh, going back to the Yankees, Brian Cashman says that they expect Gary Sanchez to uh, return at the earliest by late August, possibly early September, uh, as uh, he's been placed on the DL after reaggravating his groin injury. That according to uh, MLB.com. And uh, sticking here with the Yankees, uh, Zach Britton. <laughs> I know this is news since the last show, but uh, actually now feels like, a, I don't know, for some reason it feels like a long time ago. But the Yankees acquired Zach Britton. In exchange, uh, the Orioles get Dylan Tate, who uh, was drafted by the Rangers, number four overall in the first round. Uh, so Dylan Tate, the big name, going to Baltimore in that one. Also a couple other minor league pitchers, Josh Rogers and Cody Carroll. So really not for, you know, for a reliever, for a, a closer. It's, you know, it's not the Roldis Chapman deal, but a pretty nice haul for the Orioles, I have to say, in that one. Uh, and then Zach Britton going to the Yankees, presumably not to close unless Roldis Chapman's knee uh, flares up and uh, he needs uh, some time off. And even in that case, I wouldn't assume it's necessarily Zach Britton. Could be Del Patances, could be David Robertson. I mean, it's a ridiculous bullpen right now. Uh, where you got Jothan Holder now, who's like the fifth or sixth best option, and he's just been sensational. So uh, Britain now into that mix, and then for the Orioles last night was Brad Brock closing, but really it's it's sort of a, a race to the bottom for the Orioles bullpen. Nobody's really performing all that great, but uh, at least last night was Brad Brock. And again, as I mentioned several times on the show, Brock himself could be traded, so he's not really the greatest play for saves certainly not longer term but uh, in the short run if you need some saves Brock is a possibility I think he's really underperformed you know could certainly uh, improve and be better and and maybe he stays with the team maybe he picks up a bunch of saves but uh, very uncertain situation there uh, in the uh, in the Orioles bullpen also just saw something uh, right before the show that uh, Robert Giselman doesn't necessarily have a hold on the, uh, and no pun intended there, but no hold on the uh, uh, save situation for the Mets. And in fact, let me uh, take a look at the box score if I can here, because I believe he was brought in. That game is actually now final. Both of the New York teams uh, have gone final now. Uh, Mets six, Padres four, and Giselman came in in the seventh inning. In that one, it was Anthony Swarzak with a two-inning save for the Mets. So you got Gisellman, you got Swarzak, and then I saw a tweet that said that Jacob Rame might be in that mix and also Drew Smith, and I'm going to be completely honest with you and say that when I saw this tweet just minutes before the show, I said, who's Drew Smith? So I had to go look him up. <laughs> so Drew Smith may be getting a save here and there for the, the Mets as well. That certainly has the look of a, uh, of a committee situation. Right now, uh, J.J. Paxton did not return yesterday. As expected, it was Rionis Elias as uh, Paxton's back stiffened up after he uh, threw a bullpen session on Saturday. Uh, so according to MLB.com, the uh, manager at Seattle Scott Service says that he thinks it's a minor issue and expects that Paxton uh, will return to make his next start in the next five or six days for the Mariners. Jesse Winker might have to go on the DL, though. According to MLB.com, he's been dealing with some shoulder discomfort. Also, according to MLB.com, Carlos Correa did some hitting off of a tee on Tuesday, also did some running, played catch with Brian McCann, and he continues to work his way back uh, to the 25-man roster. Dennis Lynn from The Athletic reports in one of the weirder less expected uh, trade rumors that I'm going to talk about on today's show, that the Padres have checked in on Noah Syndergaard as they look for essentially an ace for their staff. And doubling down on that, um, Ken Rosenthal, also from The Athletic, says that the Padres are interested in Chris Archer. So who knew? Well, now we know, thanks to uh, two reporters from The Athletic. Uh, Phillies continue their search to uh, strengthen their roster for their uh, playoff run. Uh, So they've, uh, according to John Heyman, expressed some interest in Adam Jones and also Eduardo Escobar. And also in on a potential Adam Jones deal is uh, Cleveland. And that makes a lot of sense. Actually, to me, makes a whole lot more sense than the Phillies. And I got to say, as a fantasy owner, I'd be really mad if the Phillies trade for Adam Jones just because I recently traded for Nick Williams. <laughs> but if I were a Phillies fan, I think I'd be just as mad, probably more mad, actually, uh, because Adam Jones so far this year has been a replacement-level player, taking offense and defense into account. Uh, so I don't I don't get that one, to be honest. Just don't get it. Uh, according to the Dallas Morning News, Pirates have some interest in Kayon Akila, so there's been some rumors and reports uh, over maybe last week or so that the Rangers would be looking to deal relievers, uh, and in particular, Kayla and Jake Diekman. Neither one pitched particularly well on Tuesday, by the way. Kayla blew a save, and this is not meant as any sort of insult to Kayla. I mean, it's just, it It, it it seems like every closer by now has at least two or three blown saves. That was Kayla's first blown save of the season. And in researching this morning's bullpen report for Rotographs, I decided to go find, is there any closer out there that has not blown a save? And in terms of active closers uh, that have more than five saves, no. Not a single one. Uh, In fact, the only closer or the only reliever who has more than five saves uh, so far this season that did not blow a save is Ken Giles, believe it or not. You would have had me guessing all day long, and I don't think I would have come up with that. But again, that speaks to how Giles really... Did not perform well in non-save situations, but actually was was just fine in uh, in save situations. Had not blown a save all year. And, of course, Giles now in AAA. Uh, the Reds getting calls on several of their relievers, Rysel Iglesias, Jared Hughes, David Hernandez, and Amir Garrett. Uh, the Rockies, Red Sox, Braves, and Phillies are among the teams uh, checking in on the Reds' bullpen. And uh, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, the Blue Jays are trying very hard right now to move j Happ and possibly Tyler Clippard and John Axford uh, as we get closer to the deadline. And one last, uh, one last uh, piece of news here. Mets have, as expected, uh, recalled uh, infielder Jeff McNeil. So uh, McNeil did appear in this afternoon's game against the Padres, but as a pinch hitter, and he drew a walk. So uh, welcome to the Majors. Jeff McNeil, who's had a very, very nice season in the minors. Anyway, that's our wrap-up of Weird News items for today, Wednesday, and we're going to head to break, and when we come back, we're going to look at a small, strange slate for DFS tonight with Drew Dickmeyer. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And in just a moment or so, we're going to help you rule your DFS world tonight because Drew Dickmeyer is going to be here in just a moment. Uh, but before we talk to Drew, if you want to rule your fantasy football league, well, then you must simply go to the very best source of information that you can find. And, of course, what I mean by that is that RotoExperts.com senior writer Jake Seeley is here to help. It's an undisputable, undisputable fact that no other fantasy football and, uh, analyst in the industry is a better player ranker or accuracy expert than the All In Kid. In 2017, Jake Sealy was the number one draft accuracy ranker in the entire industry, as verified by fantasypros.com, and he's been a consistent top three ranker throughout his distinguished career. So if you want to be the best, go with the best. Get Jake Sealy's 2018 fantasy football rankings right now in the rotoexperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package enter the promo code winner at the checkout for a special discount and here to help you be a winner on tonight's very very small slate from dailyroto.com drew dinkmeyer drew thanks so much for uh, coming back to the show yeah thanks for having me on Al. uh so uh i'm not gonna lie drew (laughs) <laughs> I really struggled to uh to find uh, the, the stories and the you know the probing questions uh for you to, to help us uh tackle this uh, the slate tonight, just four games. Uh it is an interesting mix. Uh and I, I know that I've asked you this question before, Drew, but just in the, the unlikely event that maybe there there are people listening who maybe missed an episode in the past. Um I'm gonna ask you again. Uh, what would you recommend for people to do with such a small slate like tonight, four games or, you know, five games, even six games? Uh, are there some guidelines in terms of different strategies you would you'd use, as well as maybe guidelines for whether or not you even choose to play?
0: Yeah. So first first and foremost, um, the, the smaller the slate, the, the fewer the decisions you, you can make, the harder it is to differentiate from your opponent's. So if you're, if you're, you know, an avid player looking to take slates off, small slates can often be better slates to take off than larger slates because there's more advantages and edges. Um, so I often will take off some smaller slates uh, if I'm playing all year round. It's just an easy way to, to kind of free my mind for, for a night um, and refresh myself. Um, in terms of small slate strategy, I think it's really interesting and I think it does vary some by sport. So in baseball, a sport with, higher variance in terms of uh, the results on a a night-to-night basis, you have a little bit more opportunity to be contrarian and try to take advantage of people uh, really condensing in on the best plays and the ownership's getting really, really high. In a sport like basketball or football, um, where at least the really high-end players are very predictable, on these small slates, you almost need to lock in those high-end plays because if they do what you expect them to do it's really hard to make up ground for what what those high- end plays like a Le'Veon Bell on a two- game slate it's, it's really hard to make up his 30 fantasy points um, or Russell Westbrook in the NBA it's hard to make up his 50 or 60 fantasy points. Um, so those guys you almost need to play but in baseball because you know anyone at bat can be the equivalent of you know Mike trout performance. I, I think there's opportunities to be a little bit more contrarian on the small slates.
1: All right. Well, uh, with, with that in mind, uh, we'll see if we can find some of those uh, opportunities to be contrarian. Uh, does that exist? Do you think with pitching? Of course, we just have eight starters going tonight. Uh, to me, it would seem that uh, David Price and Tyler Skaggs would be your, your best options. Um, Price to me would be the obvious one, but uh, is there an argument to be made for Skaggs or maybe, maybe, to go a little less obvious with with one of the other six, we so it, I think it'll be harder to get
0: contrarian at the pitcher spot. Not that I love these pitchers, but just that the depth of the pitching slate is pretty limited. Um, I don't think you can you know play Martín Perez or Edwin Jackson or James Shields. Um, so, you know, the opportunities to be contrarian are, are pretty limited at the starting pitcher spot. You have nailed our top two starting pitchers in projection. <laughs> we we have Price and Skaggs projected very closely. The big difference between the two, in all honesty for us, is that Price has a more favorable umpire than Skaggs. Skaggs has one of the, the mo- most challenging umpires uh, in, in all of baseball on, on this slate. So, we have the two projecting really closely. Price is a little bit cheaper. As long as weather isn't a concern, which has been a persistent concern all week long in Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, we would choose price over Skags. And if you were playing cash games, I would make sure I was using one of them. Now, in tournaments, I think both will be fairly highly owned. And I think there are some opportunities to differentiate, but they're not pretty. Um, so you, you have to kind of suck it up and deal with the fact that, you know, a guy like Dylan Bundy or a guy like John Gray have awful matchups. They're in great hitting environments. It's not a good, it's it's not a situation you'd usually want to attack, but they are cheap on this slate and they will be severely less owned than Price or Skaggs, and they have strikeout potential. These guys are projecting for us around five and a half strikeouts. We've got Price, Morton, and Skaggs around six and a half. So if you can just run into the game that Skaggs isn't great, he's not striking out guys, or David Price gives up the long ball, uh, you can find ways to differentiate with Bundy or Gray.
1: Well, I, th- I, you know, I could certainly see the appeal with either of them because they both have a lot of strikeout potential. I would think uh, you know, between the two, uh, I-, I could see the appeal of John Gray a bit more. Um, you know, I was very encouraged by what uh, Tyler Anderson did on Tuesday night against the Astros. I actually, in, in a daily lineup league, did sit Anderson uh, because I was worried, not so much about Coors Field, he's, he's shown he can handle that, but more just with the matchup against the Astros but uh, that you know that makes me a little bit more encouraged that John Gray you know coming back up from the minors, uh, you know may have a, a similar outing and maybe with, with a few more strikeouts. So between those two options, Bundy and Gray, would you agree, or do you think there's uh, a case to be made for Dylan Bundy?
0: We have Gray projected slightly higher, but we have Bundy as the slightly better value because Bundy's a little bit cheaper. So I think the case for Bundy is the fact that he's always been really good against right-handed bats, and the Boston's best bats are from the right side, whether it's J.D. Martinez or Mookie Betts, They don't have a lot of really threatening left-handed bats. I mean, Ben and Moreland are good, but they're not, you know, the level of Mookie or J.D., and then the bottom of the order is a little bit softer. The case for John Gray is the fact that the Astros lineup without a DH, as long as they're not going to let Evan Gattis catch, the bottom of the lineup is really kind of soft. Um, there's not a ton there to be super concerned about. So if he can handle getting through the Springer, Bregman, Altuve area and just kind of manage his way through those, um, the bottom of the lineup does open up a lot of strikeouts. The challenge, of course, is that Bregman and Altuve just don't strike out a lot, and that makes it a little bit tough to get through. Um, but I think those are the cases for each of those guys. And then on DraftKings, you know, Charlie Morton has a pretty good price tag too, and I think you can make a case for him um, as well as you know uh, a pivot from Price and Skaggs will have a lot more ownership as
1: well. All right. Well, I wrote a piece uh, for Rotographs just uh, on Tuesday about Charlie Morton, uh, and he's not really pitched that well lately. He's really been awful against lefties. Um, not not getting very many ground balls at all, which has you know been one of his calling cards for a long time. Uh, you know, fortunately for him, the the Rockies lineup is not you know super lefty loaded. So it's sort of like you know what you were saying about the uh, the Red Sox. You know, you have got a, a couple of semi dangerous lefties there uh, for the Rockies, but, you know, maybe Morton could work around it. But I think between that and the venue, um, I would really I would think you'd want to stay away from him. So is, is that maybe an overstatement of the case uh, against Charlie Morton?
0: So I think for seasonal leagues, you know, you always want to try to pick your spots and manage your shards. And for seasonal leagues, I would certainly consider staying away from Charlie Morton In DFS, we just don't have a lot of options tonight. So on, the, on a site like DraftKings where you have to pick two pitchers, you know, you can throw out a Shields, Perez, and Jackson. We're down to five. So um, so I think he's in the conversation because of the size of the slate and because it's so small and because that Colorado offense is a little bit um, weakened from a DFS perspective for opposing pitchers with the loss of D.J. LeMahieu, who makes a ton of contact. Now, Garrett Hansen's not a guy who strikes out a ton, but he hits lower in the order. It slides up a guy like Ian Desmond, who does strike out a little bit more. Um, so I think the fact that Morton is priced down on DraftKings tonight keeps him in play. But certainly in Fiesel Leagues, I'd be trying to pick my spots.
1: All right. All right. Well, makes makes sense. Well, let's uh, switch to focus over to hitters. Uh, so while, you know, we've, we've sort of been talking negatively about most of the pitchers on the slate, I would think that that would maybe give us a few more choices in terms of hitters. Uh, do you think there's a good stacking opportunity out there tonight? And if so, which team do you like the best for that?
0: Yeah, I think the the game that'll be most popular by far is going to be that Oakland Texas game. I mean, we saw it get nutty last night with you know 20 plus runs scored, and now we've got two pitchers on the mound and Edwin Jackson and Martin Perez who you know don't miss a ton of bats and haven't really been above average pitchers at at really any point in their career. Um, so I think that will be the most popular game. It's also got like an 11 and 12 total. It's been trending between, which is higher than Coors Field, which is unusual. Wow. Um, it's been really hot in Texas. So I think Texas and Oakland are going to be popular. I think Oakland might be more popular than Texas because, uh, Oakland's been swinging the bats better. I think they're the more skilled offense on the whole, but we actually like Texas a little bit more uh, tonight. I think they're going to be a little bit lower owned. Um, their offense is a little bit cheaper. So if you don't want to fade uh, you know the, the really high-end starting pitching, you can still make it work with Texas. Now, I don't think that's going to be particularly contrarian. I think it'll be a little bit lower owned than the Oakland route. Uh, but I think Oakland and Texas are the two top stacks. I think they'll be the most popular. I think the way to be contrarian on this slate is there's a couple of different ways. One, you can look to the Angels or you can look to uh, Boston. Boston could get lower owned just because of the weather. I know last night they were subbed. 10%, like Mookie Betts is 7%, JD Martinez is 6% um, in a really good spot last night. And if the weather is a concern, again, I think that's going to keep ownership down. So I like Boston as a pivot from uh, uh, from Oakland and Texas. And I like the Angels as a pivot from Oakland and Texas. And then if you really want to get contrarian, I think one way to do it is not necessarily a full stack on this slate, but picking spots with Baltimore Orioles bats that hit for power. Uh, Jonathan scope has hmm. been on fire lately. Uh, He's really cheap. Tim Beckham is really cheap. And when David Price goes wrong, it's usually the long ball. So if the Orioles are going to score runs tonight, it's probably going to be home runs. I don't think the Orioles will be very owned because people are going to play price. And that naturally creates leverage. If, you know, 35 to 45% of the field is on price, every time he's giving up a home run to one of your guys, not only are you moving up in the standings, you're bringing all those other lineups down as well. So the Orioles have a little bit of leverage in their favor on the slate.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Are there any non Orioles hitters uh, that look like particularly good bargains tonight? Yeah, there's
0: a ton. Uh, Mostly on the Texas side is where we're finding a lot of the bargains tonight. Um, You know, guys like Rucknet Odor is pretty affordable. Adrian Beltre is really cheap on both sides. Uh, We'll see if he's in the lineup tonight, but he's 3,300 on DraftKings. He's like 2,700 on FanDuel. Uh, That can bring you instant salary relief on the slate. And then uh, Cole Calhoun for the Angels, just thirty six hundred on DraftKings. We expect he'll be in the leadoff spot against James Shields, who's really struggled in recent years against left-handed bats. I think Cole Calhoun's a really good value play as well.
1: All right, uh, excellent, excellent. Um, and just getting back to the uh, the Morton matchup, like I said, the uh, Rockies, you know, not loaded with uh, lefty bats, but uh, you know, somebody like like Carlos Gonzalez or maybe even Gerardo Parra, uh, do they have any appeal for you? Para is very cheap, so he has some appeal as a little bit of a salary relief play, because he's only thirty five hundred on
0: DraftKings. The Rockies here's the tough thing. I think they'll be contrarian and you want I think you want to be contrarian on a small slate. I think the challenge is even if Morton isn't good, the pen behind him is so good. They don't have a single below average reliever in that entire bullpen. So there are no outs to facing like consistently weak opposing pitchers in that game. So as a result, I don't like Rocky stacks, but I don't mind individual Rocky player exposure like Carlos Gonzalez or Charlie Blackman or Nolan Arenado. These guys will be very, very low owned. I, I find it hard to see too many ways that the whole stack hits, but there's definitely ways, you know, the, the Rockies have an implied total of four and a half. There's definitely ways they're going to put up runs. And I think one or two of those guys in a lineup can be ways to be contrarian.
1: All right. Well, uh, you know, for for such a small slate, I think there's a lot of information there for people to uh, to chew on with their limited choices. So uh, I'm just going to wind up on this note because, uh, uh, like I said, we've, we've got so you know, few games to, to focus on here. I was talking earlier in the show, a little bit of, a, of tri- a trivia nugget and something you just said reminded me of it. There is only one reliever right now uh, for this season who has more than five saves, who has not blown a save this year. And I don't know if you heard earlier in the show, uh, but uh, would no, uh, I, uh, I I didn't I didn't hear this, and I don't I don't think I have a good guess. More than five
0: saves and hasn't blown a save this year.
1: Yeah, there's um, just one.
0: Kelvin Herrera.
1: I think that's an excellent guess. And by the way, what inspired this was that Cam just blew his first save on Tuesday, and uh, it sort of surprised yeah. me. He hadn't blown one yet, so there were two. He's out of the mix, and the, what reminded me of this was what you were talking about, the Astros bullpen. The only one is Ken oh. Giles, who's not even in the majors. That's Yeah, that's insane. That's crazy. I guess he's uh,
0: <laughs> he's been bailed out by the other relievers behind him, or most of his bad appearances have been in non-save situations. That's wild.
1: Well, I know the the latter is definitely true. Maybe a little yeah. bit of the, the former, too, but definitely the latter. So uh, we'll, we'll end on that note, even though that's not the second time I'm sharing that nugget on this show. I like it that much. <laughs> I might even talk about that in the next segment too. So that was a good one. <laughs> well, that no truth. Thank you so much for taking the time. I uh, really appreciate you uh, dropping in and uh, helping us out with the, uh, with the four games tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on Al. All right. My pleasure. So, uh, well, we're going to wrap up here, uh, and get ready for the next break in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, uh, just to check in real quick, uh, we're gonna have you know lineups and weather. Uh, Drew talked a little bit about the weather uh, going in, but we've got uh, several games in, in progress here. We got the Reds over the uh, Cardinals seven three, uh, Indians over the Pirates two nothing. That one's both uh, both of those are in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, Nationals all over the Brewers seven nothing in the top of the sixth tigers up on the royals 5-1 i actually watched uh, the first couple of innings of this one before coming on air i wanted to see both danny duffy and matt boyd uh since i'm starting both and i just have a general interest in both and uh it's boyd real i thought it'd be a good duel but it's really boyd that's uh the one who's pitched well uh one run in four and a third so far uh duffy five runs in five innings not so good uh, we got some other games we'll check in. Anyways, we do have to head for a break. We'll be right back with lightest weather and a lot lot more stick around. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thanks once again to Drew Jinkmeyer for uh, stepping in, helping us out with a four game nighttime slate tonight. and Just you know, a lot of good uh, information, not just particular to this slate, but uh, playing DFS in general. Always good to have uh, Drew as well as Mike Leone from uh, DailyRoad.com. Good to have them on the show. So uh, I mentioned uh, right before break, Actually, there's just one game I didn't get to in my rush to update you on games. Cubs won nothing over the Diamondbacks. So far. that, so far, it's the bottom of the uh, fourth inning. Uh, So uh, not too much to talk about in terms of lineups and weather, but I will get to that in just a moment. And then we can just uh, relax, stretch out and take a good look at Tuesday's games, which produced a lot of really interesting performances. Uh, First. Just to remind you that we are giving away even more World Series tickets here on FNTSY Sports Radio Network. And this time, they're going to be to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. These contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70%, that's nearly 14,000 people each year, must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. You can find out how you can help the cause and at the same time win 2018 World Series tickets by playing free daily fantasy baseball by going to dailyroto.com DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. It's your ticket to the World Series and someone's ticket to life. So uh, as far as the weather that uh, Drew Dinkmeyer was alluding to in the previous segment, Uh, he was talking about the, uh, Orioles hosting the Red Sox. Again, that's, uh, David Price and Dylan Bundy. Not doesn't look too bad. I I have to say, Drew, to me, did not sound terribly concerned, although he certainly did suggest that you check in on this before you finalize uh, any sort of daily lineup, whether DFS or, uh, in the seasonal league, uh, 30% chance of precipitation for first pitch at seven Oh five Eastern. Uh, And pretty much just staying steady right there throughout the evening. So not too bad. Maybe just some brief delays. Um, But again, check in on that. And actually, I am really remiss in overlooking this one. Uh, Texas looks fine. Uh, Rangers hosting the A's. Again, a lot of good hitter possibilities in that one. And 0% chance of precipitation. In Anaheim for White Sox Angels, but 72% in Colorado. That's the Charlie Morton uh, John Gray uh, Pitchathon there uh, at 6:40 uh, p.m. Uh, Mountain Time, course Field. 72% chance of precipitation at game time. It does decrease very steadily thereabouts. So in a way, it's it's maybe your best scenario because maybe if there's a delay early on, but you don't have a start. That's shortened by uh, by weather, but uh, in addition to the Baltimore game, I think you gotta also check in on that Rockies game, that Rockies Astros game, and see how the weather's developing for that one before you make any uh, any lineup decisions. Uh, and then, as far as lineups go, uh, we don't have all of them in because again, uh, we've got. Only one that's on Eastern time, and that's uh, Red Sox-Orioles. We do have both of those lineups in, but nothing from the other three games yet. We also do have a couple of games starting uh, right out, right after the show for Eastern. Uh, so we've got lineups for those. Twins-Blue Jays, Giants-Mariners, and uh, really not much to note there. Uh, even with Giants-Mariners, because it's in the AL Park, you get both uh, Buster Posey and Nick Hundley. Uh, in your Giants lineup there. Uh, But the Mariners lineup, uh, nothing there uh, that's too unusual. Same thing for Twins, Blue Jays. That's going to be Irvin Santana and Sam Gaviglio in that one. Santana making his first start this year. So that'll be uh, exciting and interesting to watch. And then, uh, yeah, Red Sox and Orioles, nothing much to see there. So um, I think the Weathers is going to be your biggest determinant about what uh, lineup tweaks you might make. At this uh, at this point, so uh, let's uh, take a look back at uh, Tuesday's games and a couple of uh, two-homer performances. JD Martinez homers number thirty and thirty-one at Camden Yard. So if they get that game uh, played tonight uh, against Dylan Bundy, <laughs> he could go yard again or certainly have a very productive night. Uh, and also Yasmani Grandal staying hot. Uh, home runs number 15 and 16, part of a 3-for-7 game in that 16-inning uh, affair in Philadelphia. Uh, Grendel now has a seven-game hit streak, during which he's hit four home runs and gone 11-for-23 overall. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a must-start guy at this point. Going back, uh, and actually, I'm sorry, my bad. Different game altogether. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. Can't even read my own notes. Yes, going back to the uh, uh, Orioles-Red Sox game, Jonathan Scope, only one homer for him, but that's now three games in a row with a home run for Scope, a two-hit night for him overall against the Red Sox, and he not only has a home run in three straight games, but also home runs in four out of the last five games, and he has an eight-game hitting streak, and Let's go back even further. For the month of July, a 363 average with six home runs. So Jonathan Scope has really turned it on. Uh, And somebody I've just mentally been lumping in with Scope, uh, probably just because I own them on a team together, and and they've been frustrating to own this year. But Elvis Andrews, he's starting to come around. Uh, He had a two-hit game on Tuesday, including his first career grand, Grand Slam. Sound like I was going to call that a glam slam. That'd be different and an uh, interesting thing. A grand slam, uh, his fourth homer of the year, Elvis Andrews, and he has now hit homers in back-to-back games, and he also has an extended hot streak now. Last seven games, he's batted uh, 346, uh, also including those two home runs from the last two, uh, the previous two days, and three stolen bases to boot. So we're finally getting that uh, production we were hoping for from Elvis Andrews. Uh, Starling Marte, bit of news from earlier today uh, was hit by a pitch in the hand, had to leave early. Uh, I've not seen any other uh, update on him other than uh, that he's going to uh, get examined. Uh, by the way, that's uh, Cleveland Four Pirates. Uh, nothing in that game that's just uh, winding up right now. Uh, but going back to Tuesday, uh, Marte had a two hit game that included his 16th home run of the season. So he's now just shy uh, of his uh, career high of 19 home runs for Marte. So hopefully uh, he won't be out for long and he can get back to that pursuit. And now that Indians-Pirates game has gone final. Uh, so unfortunately for Marte, that hit by pitch came in his fir- first plate appearance. So uh, no further stats for him. But like I said, hopefully a minor injury. But uh, we'll certainly update you on uh on Thursday's show, uh, I'm sure we'll have more information on that at that point. Uh, on uh, Tuesday, Greg Bird with a nice game, two for four with his tenth double of the season, that against the Rays, and so he's on a little bit of a hot streak of his last ten games. He's twelve for thirty-eight, that's a three-sixteen average. He's homered three times, he struck out ten times, and I, you know, I was sure to mention that because with Bird, you know, if you see a, a good batting average over a stretch. You got to figure there's some some BABIP help there because he typically strikes out so much. The strikeout rate is not good, but it's actually good enough that he's actually that that average is, is, is kind of believable. I don't really think Greg Bird's going to be a 300 batter going forward, but if he's striking out in roughly a quarter of his plate appearances instead of a third, then, uh, you know, that's certainly makes a big difference in his value. Because I've been sort of lukewarm on Greg Bird this season. So there's one to watch. Again, very small sample, but that definitely puts him on our radar. All right, so uh, lots of pitching performances I mentioned earlier in the show. Very sort of strange uh, group of pitching performances. A lot of good ones, uh, particularly from pitchers you wouldn't necessarily expect it from. Uh, we'll get to that. But first of all, if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, and we talked about DFS and the whole Previous earlier segment of the show. So, if you enjoy DFS but you're just sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, then try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign-up, and then choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. Let's get to those pitching performances. Masahiro Tanaka with a complete game shutout. Just three hits allowed to the Tampa Bay Rays. Nine strikeouts, one walk. Excellent start for uh, Tanaka. Nothing too shocking there. And, And also nothing too shocking about Garrett Cole and Tyler Anderson having a pitcher's duel. Even when that pitcher's duel takes place at Coors Field. Uh, I mean, I don't know there are very many pitchers, if if any pitchers at all, you're not at least a little nervous about starting at Coors Field. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm very nervous about Charlie Morton tonight. But uh, Anderson has pitched pretty well at home, and uh, Garrett Cole has just been awesome. So uh, those two were good. Jose Barrios was good. Seven scoreless innings against the Blue Jays with nine strikeouts. So, I mean, those we could just, you know, we can mention because they're standout performances. But uh, no, no real game changers there, with maybe the possible exception of Tyler Anderson, because I know a lot of people, it doesn't matter what the track record is, and understandably so, a lot of people very, very nervous about starting Rockies pitchers at home. But I think with each start, Tyler Anderson, he's closing the circle of trust a little bit. Uh, also building some trust, Carlos Rodon, uh, who's had some really inconsistent performances, inconsistent control. Uh, did walk three batters uh, last night against the Angels. But overall, you cannot really complain about this line at all. He went seven and two-thirds innings, gave up just two runs, two hits of those three walks. So even with the three walks, a very nice whip for the night. And eight strikeouts for Rodon. So, you know, the Angels have not been particularly tough of late, but uh, that that's just a, a nice and encouraging start from Carlos Rodon. Now, let's get on to the ones that might have been mildly surprising to see Rodon pitch that well, given his inconsistencies. But now we're really going to get into some some almost bizarro territory. Uh, maybe you wouldn't think that's too fitting with Ryan Barucki uh, because he, he has had some some very good starts. Uh, but he did have another good one against the Twins. Um, no earned runs, but two unearned runs over six innings on six hits, no walks, only two Ks for Barucki. Uh, but really what's incredible for him, and really I have no explanation for this whatsoever, he has yet to give up a home run. He's pitched 29 innings now and has yet to give up a home run. I do think he is something of a regression candidate, but uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been, been pretty good. Uh, Austin Gomber, now he was just called up, talked about him on Tuesday show because his recall was um, what – made it the what made it necessary for the cardinals to send down Daniel Ponce de Leon uh, after his uh, seven innings of, of no-hit ball. So Gomber comes up and uh, he takes a no-hitter into the seventh inning against the Reds, uh, finished with a 6 and a third, couple of hits, uh, a couple of runs, uh, six uh, 6 Ks, two walks, So a uh, nice line for for Gomber who again, no no-hitter uh, for uh, six-plus innings there. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know what the uh, Cardinals exactly are going to do with this this wealth of pitching, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not a bad problem. I would assume that Gomber goes back to the bullpen when Carlos Martinez comes back, but we'll see how that all gets sorted out. But as surprising as that might have been, I've got to say I was far more surprised about the other starting pitcher involved in that game, Homer Bailey. Just uh, brought back up six and two thirds innings, two runs. Actually, a fairly similar line to Gomber six and two thirds, two runs, five hits, eight Ks, two walks. So, uh, a very good line for Homer Bailey and only four ground balls, but 17 swings and misses. I'll say that again because I, when I saw it, that the first time, I couldn't believe it. 17 swings and misses for Homer Bailey against the St. Louis Cardinals. And here's the thing that caught my attention even more. Average fastball velocity in this start, 94.6 miles an hour. He was averaging about 93 prior to this start. That's interesting. Very similar, by the way, Wei-Yin Chen with his uh, fourth quality start out of his last five starts. His velocity has been back up, has been up uh, over his last five starts Averaging right around 92 miles an hour on his fastball where it was in the 90 to 91 range prior to this recent stretch. So good start for Wei and Chen against the Braves. And Bert Smith, I actually watched this one. I missed the Gomber start and saw that Smith uh, was off to uh, a good first couple of innings. So I'm like, OK, well, I missed Gomber. I'm going to watch Bert Smith, who I just think is intriguing anyway. Uh, and he went six and a third against the Tigers. Uh, two runs on just one hit, six strikeouts, um, and I think he really took took the match up to heart here. He got 16 swings and misses, only threw 30% of his pitches in the zone, and that's really weird because Birch Smith, if nothing else, is a strike thrower. And he avoided the zone and against a very aggressive, uh, not very uh, discerning Tigers lineup in terms of plate discipline, and he got four swings on 40% of the pitches outside the strike zone. So well done by Burt Smith uh, in that start. And then to end on, on a bit of a sour note, uh, Shane Bieber just did not go well for him against uh, a red hot pirates team. Didn't make it through the second inning finished with one and two thirds innings, seven runs allowed, two Ks, no walks, but seven hits. And following in a trend where Shane Bieber is just giving up a lot of hits, particularly over his last four starts, But on the season, he's got a 378 BABIP, and you don't really have to look any farther for your explanation than this. He has this is unbelievable. A 9% soft contact rate. Almost never induces soft contact. Didn't get a single soft, softly batted ball in the start against Pirates. 9% on the season, and hard contact? 47% rate, whereas a rate around 34-35% this season has been normal. So... A little bit of a red flag there for Shane Bieber. And uh, just uh, time to wave the flag on this episode. Call call to an end. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Tomorrow's Nando Thursday. Got a lot of great stuff planned for tomorrow's show. So uh, anyhow, look forward to seeing you then. Have fun watching what's left of the slate for today and tonight. And have a good one, everybody. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7
0: Fantasy Sports Radio Network.